Chicago's Afternoon News. Uh, point well taken from 847. Enjoy listening to you and Steve. Lisa, maybe say send us a text instead of shoot us a text. Yeah, that is true, especially with this uh, upcoming interview. And uh, I need to eliminate that from my the, my, the way I speak. So um, this was a big story in the town that I lived in, in St. Charles. This week is National Gun Violence Survivors Week. And on the phone is a woman that lost both of her children and her ex-husband and was shot and had to witness most of it. She is local. And her name is Anjum Coughland. Anjum, how are you today? I'm good. How are you, Lisa? I am good, and I am so happy that you're sharing your story because you probably don't know this, but I lived about a mile from you in St. Charles when this happened. And I believe one of your daughters worked at Blue Goose, didn't she? Yes, Brittany did. So I had encountered her. I have a son the same age. And the entire community, when this happened, was so horrified and wanted to reach out and thought, how do we help Andrew? What do we do? Where is she? When will she recover? So I was so amazed to see that you shared your story in People magazine. And I thought it was a story that people need to hear, not just people in St. Charles or in the community who are aware of what happened, but you're on a mission and with good reason. And I appreciate that you're joining us. This is National Gun Violence Survivors Week, and you are one of those survivors. And I can't imagine what you've been through. So share your story. Can you can you enlighten people about what happened? Because I don't want to speak for you, even though I feel like I know a lot of the details. You know, my whole goal here is to, you know, moms demand action. I felt like it was my therapy when I found them. It's not about me taking guns away from people. That's not what we try to do. This is more about making gun laws a little bit more strict. And other countries have done it. And I think we should as well kind of dig into it a little bit, dig into the fact that, you know, my husband was going through obviously a very traumatic experience. You know, depression and anxiety and loneliness, all that pop up when a lot of people are going through divorce and some handle it differently than others. And for him to be able to apply for a gun and get it within 48 hours and literally turn around and apply for another gun and get it. And so obviously suffering from mental health issues, going through a divorce, drinking. Was there any point prior to the darkest day of your life that he was abusive? He was not. He, in the beginning of a relationship, he had an anger issue where he would punch a wall. And when I was pregnant with the girls, um, I'm not sure. I don't even remember what we were really arguing about or whatever, but he did really shove me and push me at that point. But his abuse was more of a, you're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You're not, you can't do anything for yourself. I have to constantly help you with everything. And, you know, that was more of a mental abuse. That, that's abuse, Andrew. That is, that is definitely domestic abuse. It's domestic abuse. And it made me think like I'm not, good enough for anyone. You know, I did get stronger over time and I did want to leave him long, like long time ago, long time ago. His threats were, if you leave me, I will quit my job and how you're going to support yourself done. 
And so in 2017, he used that gun and he killed both of your 16-year-old daughters. And then did he call you to come home? He had called me um, earlier in the day. Actually, he didn't call me. He texted me. And he said, I want you to, I had moved out. I had barely moved out. And I, he said, I want you to come and grab all, you know, your paperwork, your, you know, your, you know, whatever, all the important stuff that I would need, passport and things like that. So I said, okay, fine. You know, we had decided in talking over a month that, you know, it's a good idea to not see each other, kind of take a, not even call each other or talk to each other. So I go, okay, fine. I understand. That's him making all the decisions, not me. Mm -hmm. I was just giving him that, fine, whatever it takes for you to get through this, I'll help you. And the girls were living with him? The girls were living with him. And I know people have a huge issue with this, but please understand this. I moved into a teeny tiny little apartment. I had no room for them because I had just moved in and I was going to get a room together for them. Why would I take them out of something so comfortable, a beautiful place? They were happy there and I wanted them to have their own room and Moving in with mom with a tiny little place is, why would I take something away from them? Antrim, I don't judge you. People don't judge you. And if they do, they shouldn't. Because when you go through a divorce, you just want what is best for your kids. And at that point, if he was being a good father, then that was the better option. Because they were in school. They had a job right across the street. So I completely understand. So you went then to pick up that paperwork. I went to go pick up the paperwork, and um, he had texted me and said, can you let me know 10 minutes before you come to the condo? And I said, okay, sure. So I, I texted him and said, I'm about 10, 10 minutes away. Um, and he's like, all right, I'll come and open the door for you, which was odd for me because I'm like, I know how to get in. And I came in. He, we went up to the condo. Uh, when I walked into the kitchen, he was behind me, and he told me to, oh, turn around. And I said, wait. I turned around, and he had a gun pointed to his head. And I go, what are you doing? I didn't even think it was real. Can I just tell you, this man has never even picked up a gun in his life. I have no idea. And he said, I'm going to kill myself. And I go, what are you doing? You're going to wake up the girls. I'm thinking that's not real. And at that point, he tells me, they're already dead. And I didn't check on the girls. The, I, I'm, to this day, I'm so thankful I didn't run into the rooms and check on the girls. Um, I, thought, I chased him down, and I grabbed him. And, um, like, it wasn't, to me, it wasn't a real gun. I, it, to me, it just wasn't. And I tried to grab it out of his hand. He pointed to my head. And he's like, nope, I want you to live and suffer. And he moved my gun to my leg and shot me right away, point blank. Then the 911 calls happened. I don't know how you take it day by day and move forward, but you are inspiring to other people who have been victims of violence. And this is National Gun Violence Survivors Week. If you are anything, you are a survivor. And what do you want to see happen? I know your husband obviously was spiraling downward, depression, drinking, going through a divorce, managed to get two guns within 48 hours. I know you want to see that change so this doesn't happen in the future. What is it that you want to see? I just want when somebody brand new, somebody who's applying for a gun, who never had a gun before in their life, 
doing it legally. Can we look into it a little bit more as to why this person is getting a gun, even if it's self-defense, even if it's if this person had filled out a form four or five years ago, the FOIA card, which he carried, um, what's the reason for him to getting a gun? There has to be. I'm not saying don't stop that part. I just want them to dig in just a little bit more. If they would have called maybe a neighbor, maybe a friend, maybe, uh, you know, their partner, their wife, their husband, their children, whatever. One phone call. One phone call. And of course, you will always get pushback on that. But I think you have a right to have your voice heard. That's why I'm glad you're joining us on WGN, because you have survived an unspeakable tragedy. And I can imagine if I was in your position, I don't know how I would get through, but I certainly would come out swinging and saying something needs to change here so it doesn't happen to another family. And people have told me, it's like, well, there's another way, other ways to do it. I go, yeah, but look how easy this was. But look how easy this was for him. It just, it shouldn't happen. I'm sorry. It shouldn't. It could have been prevented. It could have been prevented. It really could have been prevented. And how do you take day by day now? Um, It's going on five years. I am in definitely better place. But I have my moments. I do break down, especially uh, Christmas time, Thanksgiving time, especially now that I have to celebrate or not celebrate. You know, I have to do the death on March 10th, and then I have to celebrate their birthday on March 14th. It is the toughest, the hardest week of my entire year. I have to keep going forward every single day. I'm going to make my girl so proud of me. That makes me happy. That makes me happy that you live to make your girls proud of you. That is a beautiful statement. Anjum, thank you so much for joining us. I will be thinking about you during that week. And uh, just know the entire community of St. Charles just wants to surround you and give you a hug. And, And I think that your words really do impact people. And during National Gun Violence Survivors Week, I don't think there's a better person to talk to. So my sincerest condolences. I I can't imagine what you have endured. And I thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much, Lisa. I do appreciate it. Thank you. Dr. John Duffy is going to join us about how COVID affects your kids. And in a multi-child family, who do you give the attention to when that happens? And Kaylee Beeson is going to join us from News Nation coming up next after the news. There is a guy here that got into a car crash, walked away, and no one has seen him since. Steve Bertrand has your news next on 720 WGN. Lisa Dent, WGN.